my friends. Welcome to Equip to Be. I am your host, Connie Alpers. I'm glad you joined us. You tune in every week. Listen, we're going to talk about an important topic about how teens are hiding their online activity from their parents. I have a guest on the program, and I know you're going to love it. If you've listened to the other episode about what is happening and how our kids are being focused and targeted, then you're going to really enjoy this one. Now, John is a critically acclaimed author, speaker, and anti-human trafficking advocate. He is a member of the Christian Authors Network and Christian Indie Publishing Association. He is the board president of Bringing Our Valley Hope. It's a nonprofit located in Chaffee County, Colorado. We're going to talk today about an important topic because you guys all know I wrote Parenting Beyond the Rules, Raising Teens with Confidence and Joy. And how do you raise teens with confidence and joy? You got to know what they're doing and what teenagers are tempted to do. What are they searching for online? And I don't mean those things. I just mean, how might our kids, our sweet, wonderful blessings, how might they be trying to figure out using technology how to keep you from knowing what they're doing? Well, that's what John and I are going to focus on today. John, thanks for being on Equipped to Be. Hey, Connie. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate uh, the time. So. You know, I read your bio. A bio is just a snapshot of us. Tell us a little bit more about yourself, your family, what brought you to where you are in writing books about important topics with parents related to their kids' online activity and what's happening with our kids. Sure. So I've written a couple of books and I have two adult children, uh, two daughters. One is a police officer and one is a uh, fourth grade teacher. And a couple of years ago, I wanted to write a book about the police, the, the human side of policing. And in one of those interviews with an officer, I asked, what would you do if you won the lottery? And he just turned to me stone cold and said, I'd quit my job and hunt down human traffickers. Wow. And when he said that, yeah, I realized that one, I don't really know that much about human trafficking. I, I you know, it's a couple of headlines, and, but not a whole lot of information. And I also realized at that time that that's what I wanted to write my next book about. And so I interviewed four people related to human trafficking, uh, an advocate, a survivor, a law enforcement officer, and a brothel madam's tale of redemption. So you really got four different perspectives of this issue. That's kind of what's under the radar is hiding in plain sight. And, uh, you know, I got a little bit of coverage with the movie Sound of Freedom, Mm -hmm. which was great. But the rest of the story is that human trafficking happens here in the United States, not just in in foreign countries. And so that led me to to become involved with a local nonprofit, uh, Bringing Our Valley Hope, which, which essentially provides education, awareness, support to survivors. And uh, and I started going around and, and talking about human trafficking, doing presentations, and et cetera. And I started getting a lot of questions about the online piece uh-huh. of how human traffickers uh, target uh, kids and teens. And that kind of expanded to, well, if a predator is online, they are looking for all kinds of different things. And human trafficking might be one of them, but they're also looking for content. They're looking to possibly meet in person uh, for a physical encounter. And so then I, I wanted to put together this kind of very quick, common sense, bullet point booklet of 
what do parents need to know to keep their kids safe? And and that kind of led me to, to put together this uh, the six dollar booklet. Yeah, it's it's not about the predator. I I love that title. And I was looking through. I was looking. It's a very easy read for parents that are busy. I love that. And as I was preparing for our segment today, several things kind of struck me, and and that was how kids in your book. One of your section was. Just how kids are actually typing in how to hide things from their parents. Let's unpack that because I don't think many parents think their kids are actually typing in how can I hide my online activity from my parents. Yeah, you know, it's a different generation. You know, today's generation, they were completely brought up with Internet access. And that's not uh, that's not something that most parents and grandparents experience. It's kind of a, a, a definitely a new thing for this generation. And so, you know, in the old days, if you wanted to be sneaky, uh, you had to either be very creative or ask a classmate. Now you just ask Google, Siri, or YouTube. And so I was talking to my daughter, who's a police officer. She said, yeah, go into YouTube and just type in what to do if you have strict parents. And it was page after page of teen-generated content YouTube videos telling other teens, you know, how to hide, you know, marijuana or something like that, or how to get away with things. And it just went on and on. And I was just blown away. And, uh, you know, if I could do that, that clearly a motivated teen could do that and and gather all this information about, you know, how to be sneaky. And unfortunately, kids today are two or three steps ahead of parents from a technology perspective. Oh, you're so right. Oh my goodness. Yes. And then you know what happens, John, when you do start talking about this, and I don't know if you experience it, when you start to talk about it, parents' eyes glaze over. They immediately become discouraged, overwhelmed, frustrated because they can't keep up with where their kids are because it does require a, a level of trust that your kids aren't doing what they're not supposed to be doing. So I know in you were talking about a couple of the stats here in your book is that, you know, most kids are online by kindergarten, which that is true. Uh, most kids are online and unsupervised by the fourth grade. Now, just so our audience, you know, what is the average age of a fourth grader? Yeah, that, that's going to be about nine or 10 years old. Right. And the, you know, all the experts recommend that you give your kid a smartphone between ages 10 and 12, you know, you think 10 and 12, oh, that's so young. You think fourth graders, that's so young. And you're giving this powerful, powerful device. And you've got some other stats in here that we'll cover in a little bit. But when kids are searching for this, have you or has your daughter's research shown that they're also really good at covering up their searches? Or are they just young enough to not be smart enough to clean up their history? It, it definitely varies, but the thing that the that the kids are able to do is you can hide applications. There are certain programs that are specifically designed to keep things from parents. So, for example, there's a calculator program that does exactly that. It math, you know, multiply, add, subtract, divide, etc. So you think that they're using that for their homework, but if you look up that application, it says. Hide photos, videos, and secrets. If any application uses the word secret, that should be a red flag for any parent because that means that there's going to be you know, what they call faults where you, you, you can hide 
uh, different things from your parents. You know, Snapchat is a very popular program. They have a section called My Eyes Only. So maybe a very good involved parent looking at a Snapchat story looks appropriate, but yet they don't realize that this other section might have something inappropriate. It may not be of your kid. It could be something that was sent to them on purpose or even you know, in a group chat uh, where they didn't even ask for it. So you know, you've got these situations where they, they, you can very easily kind of hide things from your parents. And there are certain programs that are specific for that, which of course should terrify every parent. Yes. Well, my first thought when parents ask me, you know, hey, uh, my kids are hiding stuff. I'm finding these things. Or how do I find these things? Or my child keeps clicking off of their phone or this app or that app. Trust your gut. If, some, if you think something might be going on, explore that a little bit. What would be the purposes for kids to hide things from, quote, strict parents? Well, it, it's typically not going to be, you know, their notes on Bible study. <laughs> I was right? just it's, thinking, it's, yeah, they're, they're how to solve the algebra <laughs> problem. <laughs> yeah, you know, if 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 you imagine your your uh, parents uh, over your shoulder looking at everything you type in, you probably might choose different things to type in, whether that's a search or or the way that you might talk to somebody. You know, things like cyberbullying. It's very easy for people to be. Uh, mean behind a keyboard rather than face-to-face. And so it, it, my research has shown that they're using it for, you know, kind of things that they don't want their parents to know about. And that could be just middle school, high school drama, who they like at school, but it also could be um, images that are, you know, inappropriate. Mm-hmm. And um, and there's plenty of circumstances where, you know, the police have gotten involved because of a group chat of something that was sent out that was inappropriate. And now you've got a bunch of middle schoolers uh, with content on their phone that, um, you know, that's very problematic. You know, you, in in your book, one of the things that I I love that you were talking about, how our kids can be vulnerable to someone, let's say a bad actor, somebody who does not have your child's best interest in mind, but maybe their own or, you know, that of their business. So uh, some of the things that I noticed that you read, and please expand on this, was people who want to hurt or harm your kids specifically look for some characteristics. Can you list a few of those off the top of your head? Sure. You know, every kid, no matter how you know, great of a family that they come from, is going to have times of vulnerability, times that they feel alone or embarrassed about something that they don't want to tell their parents. I mean, it's, you know, through the history of time, kids have not always talked to their parents. And so anybody who says, you know, online, I'm mad at my parents, or I feel like running away, or nobody understands me. Well, that's when a predator is going to swoop in and see that. And they're going to try to affirm anything that person is talking about. And they're going to try to build this online relationship and a lot of uh, teens today see online friends as the equivalent of a friend that they see in person. How long does it usually take before a, a tween teen says, oh, that's my friend? I, I guess what time period of interaction does that usually take? It could take as little as the same day. Oh, Because wow. you know, many times they are um, you know, going through uh, in some kind of uh, message room or chat room. Maybe they've seen them on an online game, for example, 
And they go back and forth texting, you know, typing stuff in just as if they were having a, a live conversation. And so an hour later, you could have hundreds of texts being passed back and they, they get this relationship. They, they get this uh, trust built up and, and, and the predator is just going to tell them what they want to hear. And the predators are, are they're playing a numbers game. They're going to go and they're going to contact, you know, a hundred people and maybe only 5% react, but those are the ones that they're going to uh, swoop in towards. It, anybody who does react, who, who feels like a possible they're, they're projecting. Yeah, exactly. So going back to what you were, I, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but going back to us, like how, how do they choose? And you had a list, you were talking about folks that, uh, young kids that might be having family problems. Maybe their parents are going through a divorce or financial problems. Maybe their parents are working two or three jobs. They're home alone all the time. They're bored. And addiction. Sometimes our kids just get addicted to substances or um, activities that would not be good for them. And a lack of access to services. You know, they just, they can't go and join these clubs. They can't be involved in these other things. So you, you mentioned those and you said these folks that are bad actors, they specifically scour different social platforms, uh, primarily, correct? Just, you know, they look for these social platforms. They, maybe they even look for images like, oh, you have a golden retriever. I love golden retrievers. And they exactly. establish a rapport, correct? Yeah, they're going to go to where the kids are. And those are going to be popular games, um, whether that's uh, kids games like Roblox or m more for teens like Minecraft, uh, or they're going to go on the popular programs, Kick, Snapchat, TikTok, Instagram. Is Kick still, big... still a big deal? Yeah, I, it's it's still getting, uh, you know, getting usage for sure. Wow. Okay. And so when these folks kind of start conversations with your your child and it progresses, you know, they just, they want to be their friend. A lot of times these young kids, these teens and tweens, they're looking for friends. I mean, aren't we all, we're all looking for friends and community and somebody to share life and experiences with. And so these folks absolutely chime right into it. They're very, very good at zeroing in on that. And so you had talked about uh, kind of like the steps that they take. And I don't know if you remember that, but you were talking about the steps that one that's trying to hurt or harm your children will do is they'll send a friend request out to see, hey, will they bite? What percentage is it uh, that your maybe your daughter or your research has shown actually accept the friend request? So I was talking to a police officer who's a school resource officer, not my daughter. And, uh, he wanted to uh, set up a fake profile as a middle school boy, and he sent out friend requests to all the popular kids in school, and he wanted to see what would happen. And he told me that 90% of all of the friend requests he sent out were accepted without question uh, because it's just so easy to click. And it kind of feeds into that psychological profile of a teenager where they think having 5,000 friends and followers is a goal instead of a problem. You know, they, they're going to base their self-esteem somewhat on how many people watched my, my Snapchat story, for example, or liked a certain picture or whatever they might have posted online. And so 
he said that he got all these kids to accept his uh, friend request. And once he got the popular kids, everybody else just, you know, kind of went right in line. He eventually got, and this was middle school, he got 500 students to become his profile. And he was giving a training session to the kids and told them what he did. And a lot of the kids were just couldn't believe it. And he said, okay, I've got a $20 gift card at a coffee shop for anybody who could figure out who I am, which is the fake profile. Nobody could figure out who the officer was. And it just goes to show that most kids, A, don't know all the people that are on their uh, social media circle. And when you've got thousands of them, you know, it would take you hours and hours to figure out which ones were really fake. So it typically, as we have learned, sadly, it typically escalates rather quickly into asking your child for, you know, a picture of, hey, take a picture. I want to see your face. Show me you have a beautiful smile. And, and it, it progresses from there to more taking images of body parts that's not typically okay for your kid to be ascending online. Sometimes they see it and they think it becomes, you and I were talking before the show that Sometimes these kids get involved because they've been exposed to so much at such a young age. It just seems normal. They don't think twice about it. And you and I are talking about this. When that escalates, because we won't go through the whole process of what happens when pictures start being exchanged and, and liability starts to happen where, you know, if your child takes the picture and sends the picture, they're actually the one that could get in trouble, especially if they're a minor. And so... I want to jump to something very specific, and that is if your children start doing searches, if you stumble across something, if the, something actually slips or you open something and, and you see something you shouldn't be seeing uh, that shouldn't your child shouldn't have been engaged in, I like the section that you have in your book about when your kid makes a mistake, because you know the topic of our segment today is when te you know teens searching for online ways to hide things from parents, when you do find out or your child confesses or something more catastrophic happens, I like this segment that you have about when your kid makes a mistake. Can we talk about that for a few minutes? Sure. You know, I, I think the first thing that, that every parent is going to need to do is, is, is first not panic, right? Um, because the, the kid is definitely going to react to a, a parent who panics like that. and. It, it, it's an opportunity for you to kind of explain your values to your to your kid. And if they have said something that's uh, going to be embarrassing, you know, you, you have to be able to tell them that you're going to be in their corner and it's not the end of the world. It's definitely something embarrassing. And, and you can you can do certain things to try to get things off removed online. It's very difficult. And it may depend on just exactly what stage that, uh, that is. Of engagement. You know, that situation is in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, many times if, if these images get in the hands of the wrong person, they may ask for money. And uh, every, every SRO or officer will tell you, you know, do not pay uh, anything because five minutes later, they'll be asking for, for more, more funds to be transferred. And, and that's when you, you know, there are resources out there, places like thorn.org or the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. They've got um, whole sections of their website, you know, kind of parent guides of what to do, 
and, and kind of how to talk to your kid about the situation. But the last thing that you want is your kid to feel alone because that's when they're going to be potentially more susceptible. Depression. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Cyberbullying, you know, they could get, they could get depressed, self-harm, things like that because the kid's downward spiral spiral isn't going to stop until they talk to a trusted adult. And hopefully that's, you know, the, the parents and only when they know that you're in, you, you, you know, you tell them you love them and, and, and you're on their team and you're going to work on this together. That's when the, the, the team is going to feel supported because, you know, maybe they didn't feel supported or, you know, arguing with the parents. I mean, every kid at some point always, always uh, is, is upset with their parents or, or thinks that um, the parents don't care, et cetera. And that may be exactly why a predator swooped in. And, and so, yeah, that that that's kind of like the basically the first way to start this is is to really, you know, let your kid know that you're on their side. I like the way you just kind of phrase some of those because it's really important. Your kids are trusting until they get into they, you know, life kind of shows you everybody can't be trusted. And as much as you tell your kids to be careful, to be careful, sometimes. There are some children who want to see if you're if you're really right, or they think, oh, nothing's going to happen to me. And then when it does, they're too immature, even though they think they're very mature, they're just too immature to know how to handle it. And fear of disappointing you, fear of you being mad, like you said, overreacting, uh, fear that you're going to be disappointed. I am so disappointed in you. You knew better. You know better. That isn't going to help your child. That's not going to help them work through the situations that they might find themselves in. It's not even going to make them want to come back to you because all you're doing is heaping more shame and guilt on them. When you were saying that's the first wave, let's take just a couple of minutes because we're getting near the end of our segment, but let's take a couple of minutes because we were talking beforehand about how some of it, when they get involved in uh, being targeted and images are being shared or they're being threatened to send more pictures. You know, they've really grown a a trust with a complete stranger, but yet they think they're really their friend. And they start seeing things that a 10, 12, eight-year-old shouldn't be seeing. We were talking about what it does to the brain. Talk about that for just a a few minutes. Yeah, it it really kind of warps their their understanding of relationships and what, um, you know, how men and women should be treating each other. And so if you've got this 10 or 12 year old, they're, they're not even past puberty. And so if you look at what doctors will say, it really kind of chemically changes your brain and it can be very addictive. And what, what is, you know, watching that kind of content going to do, what is it going to tell girls? It's going to say, well, this is what relationships look like. This is what I should expect. And what does it tell boys? Well, pretty much the same thing. This is how I'm expected to act. And it makes relationships look more transactional rather than uh, something that you would you would expect in more of a marital relationship. And it, it kind of warps that. And kids and teens are very moldable in 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 how they view those kinds of relationships. You know. Hopefully they've got, uh, you know, good uh, parents to kind of look at how a relationship works. 
that's not always the case in every household. And if they're getting bombarded with these kinds of images, they're all negative and, and they're all going to kind of warp their sense of what's right and wrong. It also is going to blur the lines of consent because if you if if you see the research on you know kind of explicit content, it's getting uh, more violent, more degrading, and it's you know ninety percent treat women in a very bad uh, way, and that's not the message you want kids who are just starting to maybe develop feelings and and kind of think about you know their 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 future relationships, and and so it's very harmful from that respect. So do you think, John, that it's hopeless for parents raising teens and tweens to keep their kids from getting into uh, situations, especially online? I think it's going to be difficult unless you have no devices for your children to never be targeted. Our kids aren't wise enough, smart enough, mature enough even to know that this is just, you know, somebody's fishing. Do you think it's hopeless for parents? Um, I don't think it's hopeless, but I think the parents absolutely have to be paying attention. So there's a couple of tips that that I offer parents. First one is you need to approve any application or program or game that's downloaded onto your kids' phones. And there are uh, there are programs like uh, Asked by for iPhones, for example, where the parent kind of controls that. If you've got a younger kid, consider a dumb phone instead of a smartphone. Okay, so you need to tell some of my listeners what a dumb phone is. Yeah, so generally a a dumb phone is a very locked down phone. It does not allow internet access. It does not allow pictures. Uh, It's pretty much phone and text. And it has a very locked down way of of allowing communication. So if your kid is, hey, I'm done with soccer practice, you can come pick me up, they could send a text but they can't just go get random texts from other people. And, and there's a couple of uh, you know, different programs out there, different phones out there. That's great for that uh, you know, eight, 10, 12 year old type of person. So but once they are a teen, if they do have a smartphone, you also have to have those difficult conversations about what you as a family value, what you, know, what you want to make sure that they understand, and, and also uh, being able to monitor that on a regular basis. There are programs, and in my book, I have kind of the recommended parental control programs like Bark and Canopy, but those are guardrails. You know, they're, they're not going to, you can't just load them and then forget all about it because you've got to have that relationship with, with the child and that A, they can come and talk to you about everything, but B, you're going to check. And they need to know that you're serious about that and go into their programs and especially go into their chat rooms associated with any of those programs, because that's where uh, that's where the predators want want to go. They want to get into a chat room, private messaging where they can really kind of get with that uh, kid one on one. And so those are kind of like, you know, the quick. Yes the quick tips that's makes it not so hopeless because, you know, it's really hard for, for any kid to not have some kind of, uh, you know, communication device. And especially if your kid is, you know, 15 now, um, it's really hard to say, well, we're just giving you a dumb phone. You could do that, but, it, but that's, uh, you know, I think that's, that's going to be 
a difficult situation. So it's something where you're just going to have to have that conversation on a regular basis with, with the kid. Absolutely. Key is communication. And your kids need to know that they trust you. And kind of summarizing a little bit of what you said, you've got to have the conversations. You've got to talk to them. Uh, children don't do what you expect as much as they, they do what you inspect. So like in everything, you, it's not set it once and forget it. But I want you to kind of go away with knowing that you, you need to teach your children that the eyes of the Lord are always upon you. So everything that they do, what they do in secret will be shouted from the rooftop. There's nothing that they can do online that is not um, being seen or read by the Lord. And that's not because we're trying to put fear in our children, but we want our children to realize that we don't do things in private, that God wants us to live a life of transparency and integrity, and that our kids are vulnerable. They're vulnerable to folks that are very passionate about hurting and harming your children for their businesses or their pleasure. And we as parents are the gap fillers, and we have to be that for our kids so that they know if they make a mistake, which they are children, you are going to be the first one they want to come to because you're not going to shame them and guilt them. You are going to stand by their side. There'll come a time later for you to say, hey, now about that, let's talk a little more in depth about it, but not initially. You want to be that stopgap filler. So parents just know that there is hope and that we do, just like every area of parenting, this takes intentionality. And I would say we have to pay much closer attention as our kids enter the tween and teen years and they have devices and whether they own them, grandma, grandpa gave it to them or you bought it for them. With that comes responsibility on your part and you want to be faithful to protect your children. So I just had to throw that in there, John, because I'm pretty passionate about technology. It's such an important topic and we you know, parents are in a conundrum, you know, whether they should throw them away or never allow their, their child to have them. And it's a very delicate subject. And it's one that we as parents need to keep reminding ourselves of and our kids of. So John, I am so grateful that you came on our show today and that you shared what you've learned, shared what you uh, your research has bared and the work that you're doing so that you can continue to educate parents and to protect teens and tweens. Thank you so much for coming on Equipped to Be. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, really good conversation. And uh, thanks for the opportunity to speak with your audience. And they can find you to just quickly. What, where's your website? Uh, it's www.itisnotabout.com. And it gives some information about myself and all the books are selling on Amazon. And I encourage them to check it out. Awesome. Thank you, John. And friends, thank you for tuning in. Everything will be over at ConnieAubers.com, so check it out. Uh, the show notes will be there. Links to where you can find John if you didn't happen to write this down because you're sitting in the carpool line or you're trying to get a, a moment of sanity. So thank you for listening. We just appreciate you here so much at Equipped to Be, and we want to add value to you because you are equipped to be a doer of God's Word. See you next week, friends. Well, that wraps up this episode of Equipped to Be. If you enjoyed this show, please share it with a friend or family member and hit subscribe so you don't miss a show. And thank you again for joining me. Remember that we are equipped for every season of life.